Hello and welcome to Kaplan's NCLEX PrepCast, brought to you by KaplanNursing.com, which offers prep resources for both the NCLEX RN and NCLEX PN examinations. In today's podcast episode, we are going to be reviewing the cardiovascular system, specifically for the NCLEX, but of course a lot of that carries over to nursing school and to nursing practice. And on the show, we have a repeat guest who's been on the show before and lent her experience for a few different topics. And her name is Janice Lanham. Just to refresh your memory, or in case you haven't listened back to previous episodes, Janice has been a nurse for over 25 years. She is an instructor, a nursing instructor over at uh, Clemson University uh, for the last 15 years and has been working at Kaplan for about the last five years. So welcome back to the show, Janice. How are you? Thanks, man. I'm doing great. I'm doing well. Awesome. And as always, you're representing Clemson, I could see in our, uh, yeah. Always got to represent all in, <laughs> go Tigers. Got to love it. I uh, love your I love your school spirit, and I hope everyone else out listening is uh, out there listening has the same spirit for their nursing school, <laughs> regardless of where it is. So I know we're talking about the cardiovascular system today, and it's a very broad topic. Before we get into any specific questions, I'd love to know how the cardiovascular system presents itself on the NCLEX on test day, which I know is a big question. Yes. Well, one <laughs> of the challenges um, that I'm always trying to coach students about when it comes to the approach of NCLEX, it, it's not going to be about memorization and a lot of content, but how you can actually apply that content to the questions. And so NCLEX is all about application and synthesis. But what we're going to talk about today is foundational. So you, you must have the foundations of specific topics related to content that you're going to be tested on in order to understand and be able to apply it at a higher, at a higher level. So that's why today, Matt, when we talk, we're going to talk about some of the foundational concepts that are important for you to understand so that when you are having to use those concepts to apply or in a synthesis level, you're able to respond to those questions correctly. I love it. And it's, you're right, when it comes to the NCLEX, we always hear this when it comes to content. It's not just about the memorization and that there, there might be some questions that involve memorization and just recalling something about the cardiovascular system, yeah. but that would be the non-passing level NCLEX questions as those foundational questions to get you up to the application level, which is really where the NCLEX is testing you the most and uh, the questions you need to answer correctly in order to pass. So absolutely. Yeah. So it makes sense to start with those foundations. Um, so I guess to just get to the real foundational question here, um, uh, the cardiovascular system obviously encompasses the heart. Uh, I think it's sort of the, the center of these cardiovascular system. Yeah. So I think a lot of people know this just from general knowledge, but especially when it applies to uh, specifically being a nurse, why is the heart such an important organ and what are its primary functions? Yeah, and that's a great place to start. You know, when we first started talking about putting together a podcast for cardiovascular, I was like, how do we take something that is so comprehensive and so vital and kind of narrow it down to the main points that you need to know about it? And then I began to realize, hey, this is an excellent venue to do this because instead of what most students would be 
familiar with is a very rote lecture about the cardiovascular system, the blood vessels, the anatomy and physiology, and that kind of thing. We can kind of give them bullets or we can give them tips about what's so important about this organ in general and why do you see so much of it tested. Well, the thing about the heart, it's one of my favorite organs and why I think it's so important is it's, it's such a high priority organ. And when I say high priority, when there is a problem in the cardiovascular system or in any part of the body where the heart might be compromised, you're going to see blood decide to shunt away from less priority organs to perfuse the heart. Wow. Because the heart requires so much blood flow and it requires so much attention. It's a big banger. So it's going to get the attention that it deserves. It so rightfully deserves. So that's why you often see other subtle signs and symptoms in what I call minor body systems because blood is going to select selectively decide to prioritize and perfuse the heart. So oftentimes you'll see cold, clammy skin. And oftentimes people don't realize that cold, clammy skin can be indicative of something going around the cardiovascular system because blood is being shunted away from a minority body system, the skin, to a higher priority system, which is the cardiovascular system. So you see cold, clammy skin. And I've seen even in the clinical setting, nurses often overlook that and, and attribute it to something else, maybe a febrile status, a patient that has a fever, or something that's not even related to the cardiovascular system because they're not thinking about high priority organs, the brain and the heart. And if something is going awry in the cardiovascular system or even that impacts, is the, impacts the body uh, overall, like sepsis, blood flow is going to choose, hey, I, I, I got to perfuse the heart and brain if I don't perfuse anything else. And so it's a high priority organ. So if blood has to pick and choose, hmm, where do I want to flow? It's going to flow to the heart because it requires so much blood flow about 20% minimum it, it requires of all the cardiac output to be perfused. So it's gonna choose to, to shunt and, and perfuse the heart. So it's a high priority organ. Oftentimes people miss that. It's gonna shunt away from the gastrointestinal system. So you'll get hypoactive bowel sounds. It mm -hmm. shunts away from the skin. So you get cold, clammy skin. And people oftentimes overlook the signs and symptoms that those minor body systems demonstrate not understanding physiologically why that all is occurring and why the heart is demanding so much attention. And are those signs and symptoms usually acute or do they present themselves more chronically over time or does it depend on the... Yeah, that's the, that it's very subtle, Matt. And so it's not like a big attention grabber, a big attention grabber. Right. Whole clammy skin Oftentimes, people attribute that to a febrile state. Oh, the patient must be having a fever, maybe, or maybe their blood sugar is low. They forget about, hmm, physiologically, let's think about this. Why would blood be leaving skin? Because that oftentimes is a precursor to um, hypotensive states or blood loss sometimes when the heart is not getting the food, the nutrients that it needs, the blood flow, it shunts away. And so oftentimes, Matt, those signs are subtle 
and develop slowly over time. And it could be in an acute situation, but it's not very obvious oftentimes. Right. People overlook it. Right. And usually I'm sure the acute signs are a little bit more dramatic than just. Yes, the they are. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, very interesting. Um, and like you said, definitely a great place to start. Uh, so moving into some more specifics about the heart, um, you know, how is the heart structured? Um, just give us like a quick little rundown of the different components of the heart and its primary functions. So here's the thing about structure versus function. You can't have one without the other. So you've got to be able to understand structure, where things are, how they function, because they all play hand in hand together. For example, you have four chambers of the heart. Two of them are low pressure. Two of them are high pressure. And pressure changes within those vessels, within those chambers can impact blood flow. So those low pressure chambers, which are the atria, they pretty much dump blood down into the high pressure chambers, which squeeze blood out of the heart and circulate the rest of the body. So those high pressure chambers are thicker. The low pressure chambers are thinner. So the ventricles are kind of like, or those, low, those high pressure chambers they're the workhorses of the heart, and they do all of the work of the heart. The, re the atria, the low chamber ones, are kind of like reservoirs. They pretty much hold blood, but they don't really have forceful contraction. So when you look at disorders that impact the high-pressure chambers versus disorders that impact low-pressure, the high-pressure chambers, you can, you can certainly see why you're going to have more compromise if you have some type of disorder that impacts those high pressure chambers because they do most of the work. See, just knowing little subtle things like that, and I haven't even really gotten into the names of the atria and the ventricles and that kind of thing. All you really need to understand or begin to understand is how structure impacts function and how function impacts structure. Low pressure chambers, high pressure chambers. Low pressure chambers are thin, High pressure chambers are thick. If a problem impacts the high pressure chambers, which are also the workhorses of the heart and they do all the pumping, you can certainly understand the level of compromise the patient's gonna get into if there is a disorder that impacts those high pressure chambers. Definitely, and will the nurse be able to tell what the what part of the heart might be impacted based on how the patient presents absolutely absolutely and the type of disorder that we're kind of running through our differential diagnosis to determine that they have so if we suspect for example that the patient has had a myocardial infarction or more commonly known as a heart attack you understand that myocardial infarctions tend to impact the myocardium, which is the muscle, which is that part of the high pressure chamber, and how that may impede blood flow being pumped out, because those are the pumpers and the workhorses of the heart. So yeah, even in their differential diagnosis, as they're going through looking at signs and symptoms and trying to identify what the problem is, even suspect, we can even suspect what problems the patient may be developing solely based on the etiology of that particular disorder. 
Very interesting. And it makes sense too. And, you know, you definitely have to act quickly in a lot of those situations Absolutely. so you know what's, uh, what's wrong. Um, so I guess, you know, you mentioned you haven't even gotten into some of the, the you know, the anatomy of the heart. So why don't we, um, you know, discuss that part. So what is some of the key anatomy um, in physiology that's uh, pertinent to understanding the cardiovascular system? Well, we've, al we've already talked about those high pressure, low pressure chambers. Right. And we haven't even gotten to those doors. I, I call them doors. There are valves in between each of those chambers that lead into the heart, that lead to each chamber, and that lead out of the heart. And even down to knowing what valve is where and what door it opens into. For example, if the right chamber opens down into the lower right chamber, where is that blood going? And if that door gets jammed up, if there is some type of disorder within that valve, it's going to impede blood flow because one valve opens to the lungs from the heart. One valve or door opens to the aorta, which is the largest blood vessel in the body. So understanding that if you affect those doors, if, if inflammation, infection, regurgitation where those doors don't close all the way and they allow blood flow to back up into a room, just understanding where those valves are and what doors they open to, which chamber, which parts of the body they open to, help us understand even further uh, about disorders that could impact just the valves, not even the chambers themselves or the muscles in. Uh, understanding, Matt, the pericardium, which is that lining of the heart. So the heart sits in this very thin sac of epithelial tissue and understanding if inflammation gets around that particular uh, uh, anatomical structure, how that impedes the ability of the heart to kind of stretch itself and, and beat and contract and move blood through it. So understanding each little piece of the heart, and it has so many different pieces, and you know, we don't have time to go all in depth, but right. I just wanted to use that one example of just those valves and, and where they open and where they're located, understanding how important the names of those valves are and understanding where they are can also give us insight into understanding more about how the heart functions. Interesting. Besides the heart, what other uh, you know, parts of the body encompass or you know, parts of the anatomy encompass the cardiovascular system? Besides the heart itself, uh, which deals with those chambers, the pericardium, um, the valves. We also have blood vessels that run from the tip of our head all the way down to our toes. Um, it's like a railroad track of sorts where you have blood flowing all through the body. So wherever you have blood flowing, that, that's your cardio system, your blood vessels. And oftentimes people forget to, to add that in. So instead of just the heart itself sitting um, behind the sternum, you have blood vessels and arteries all over your body. And that's also a part of the, of the system um, itself. So it has so many different pieces and all those kind of have to be on one accord and flowing all together, kind of like a beautiful orchestra of sorts in order for everything to, to flow as well as it needs to be um, so that we don't have any, um, any issues. Right. 
And sort of a tangential question, because we are talking a lot about this foundational uh, you know, information about the cardiovascular system, when it comes to the NCLEX, just to keep that in, in mind, is there, is the NCLEX going to, besides those foundational questions that I might ask about the particular pieces, when it comes to the application questions, are students going to have to know, um, or be, are they going to be tested on these different pieces? If, you know, understanding, for instance, um, if uh, we talked about different signs and symptoms pertaining to different parts of the heart, are students going to need to know specifically what those, you know, what part of the heart is being impacted yeah. or is it more about how to respond in that situation? Well, they have to know how that particular part of the heart, um, what its role is and what its function is and how it impacts the rest of the body. They got to have that foundational knowledge in order to understand the application, the application piece of it. So, I was working with a student on last evening who um, kind of found me on our Kaplan website and I've been coaching her for the past month and a half um, on NCLEX. And so she had a question that she was asking me about and it was about an angiogram. And she was at, telling me that she didn't understand why she got the question wrong because um, she put one answer, which was to elevate the patient's extremity after an angiogram versus keeping the leg straight and supine. And so I asked her, I said, so what's an angiogram? And she said, well, I thought it's when they look at the vessels, the blood vessels through the rest of the body. I said, that's not, that's not wrong. That's not wrong. I said, but what, what actually are they doing with that procedure? And she didn't really have that foundational background about what an angiogram is. So an angiogram is when they take a catheter and they thread it up to the femoral artery, up into the heart to visualize, to, to visualize the vasculature to make sure that there is no plaque, no occlusion, blockage or anything. But they go in through the groin. She didn't really understand that. She was thinking solely about the leg and perfusion in the leg. So when they ask about, do you keep the leg straight or elevated? It really isn't about the leg, Matthew. It's really about the procedure, understanding that it's to visualize the heart. They just right. access it through the femoral artery. You understand what I'm saying? Definitely. So she didn't have the foundational information to understand what an angiogram is, why they do it, why they approach it, they do. And the thing you want to look for afterward is bleeding at the, at the site because it's such a large vessel. And you don't want to bend that area in any way. You want to keep it as straight because they tend to put a, usually they'll put a sandbag on it and put a, a high pressure dressing on it because one of the complications from that procedure is bleeding hematoma at the site. So she didn't have a lot of that foundational information about a, cardiac procedure, which is an angiogram, because people are, they literally think um, that because, you know, it was going into the groin, it's all about circulation in the leg when it really wasn't. So I said all that to say, NCLEX makes a lot of assumptions. And so you got to bring a lot to the table when you sit down to take this exam. They have a lot of assumptions. There's an assumption, they make a lot of assumptions. There, there's an assumption that you already understand what an angiogram is, why someone's having it, what the complications are, what are the nursing considerations that you need to be aware of when you're monitoring a patient that's had one. 
that's a lot of assumptions. That is. And that's what I'm talking about, this foundational knowledge that you got to bring to the table when you're getting ready for this exam, because it's not going to be information memorization. Definitely. That makes a lot of sense. And that's what I thought the answer was, but I'm, that's a great example to just show how that is important to Absolutely. know all that foundational knowledge. Yes. Um, so let's get back to some of the foundational knowledge. So, uh, you know, we talked about the heart, um, thinking about the cardiovascular system as a whole, what are some of the, the, you know, the major functions of the cardiovascular system? Well, I've kind of uh, labeled them down to five. Um, oxygen and carbon dioxide transport. So understanding how important the role of oxygenation and perfusion um, is to the body and how much we require oxygen, our cells are so sensitive uh, to oxygen deprivation. And so understanding number one, oxygen and carbon dioxide transport is an essential function of the cardiovascular system. So that also lets you know, hey, lungs are important. And while oftentimes if there are cardiovascular issues, you'll also see pulmonary issues with that as well. Second function, nutrient and waste product transport. So remember, and I, I tell my students this because you know they, they have no context initially. When you're in biology class and they're talking about ATP and ADP, and the Krebs cycle. Most of the time students are like, I don't even know why I need to learn this. This is not even relevant to nursing. I'm never gonna need, you know, the Krebs cycle. Well, it, yeah, it's really important because when you're looking at uh, body functions that require oxygen, anaerobic and aerobic metabolism, and you're looking at the amount of ATPs that are spun off when oxygen is in that equation versus when you're deprived of oxygen and you're anaerobic and you don't have but two or three ATPs that are spun off of that, that's significant. So it's important that we have a system that can carry off waste, lactic acid, and transport nutrient-rich oxygen to the cells that need it. So oftentimes people don't understand, yeah, it's important to know how many ATPs you get with oxygen versus how many ATPs energy you get when you don't have it. Right. So it, it carries out nutrient and waste products, number two. Number three, disease protection and healing. So the immune system has all these antibodies and immunoglobulins and things that travel around. The only way they can get from point A to point B is blood flow. So people forget about the immune system and the role that it plays um, as, it, as, these, as our white blood cells travel through the bloodstream to transport infection-fighting cells from different sites. So it also carries chemical messengers like these for the third function, disease protection and healing. And then the fourth, hormone delivery. So we have thyroids and ovaries and testes and the pancreas and all these other organs that release chemical messengers, additional chemical messengers from our endocrine glands that affect distant organs. So that railroad system that I like to call our circulatory system sometimes when I'm, when I'm lecturing, it picks up these hormones and transports them to various parts of the body to regulate blood sugar. The pancreas releases a hormone called insulin and helps it travel throughout the body. So we forget about number four, hormone delivery, function number four. And then the last one that I 
came out with body temperature regulation. So this is what I was talking about with the cold, clammy skin. In order right. to have optional functioning, um, we've got to really stay on top of our body surface. And when our body temperature goes up, we get a fever, the blood vessels that are close to our body surface, they, they dilate and they increase in size and allow more blood flow to that area. And this allows the body to get rid of a lot of excess heat through the skin so that our temperature will go down. Um, conversely, if our temperature drops, our blood vessels, they vasoconstrict to conserve the body's heat. And so we forget how the, the cardiovascular system works in concert with our sweating mechanisms as primary regulators of body temperature. And so the fifth function, body temperature regulation is another way the cardio cardiovascular system works with one of our body's mechanisms. So those five functions, oxygen and carbon dioxide transport, nutrient and waste product transport, disease protection and healing, hormone delivery, body temperature regulation. Those are the five major functions of the cardiovascular system. So Matt, do you see why the heart matters and why this organ is so important? Have I sold it to you yet? I, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also sold on your railroad analogy based on how much transportation is involved when it comes to the cardiovascular system. Yes, absolutely. So uh, it's amazing to know, and it it's, it's one thing we always know, right? Because people talk about the significance of, um, you know, heart failure and heart attacks and how that has such a, you know, it could have, of course, a fatal impact. Um, it's because the cardiovascular system is such a major uh, part of the body. So thinking about its importance, I know there are some significant, uh, you know, issues and concerns when it comes to the cardiovascular system. So what are some of the, I know there's probably a lot, but what are some of the key disorders, whether acute or chronic that might arise and especially those that might appear on the NCLEX when it comes to the yeah. system? Yeah, so I, I call these my top contenders and, and I call their top contenders for cardiovascular disorders that I just kind of wanted to touch on. This is where you see it, where you, where you see stuff getting real because on NCLEX, this is how they're going to come at you. They're going to talk about these disorders and how you as the nurse should be responding, what you should be assessing, what you should be intervening for, you know, using the nursing process to align with how you're going to provide care for patients with these kinds of disorders. So this is where it gets real, but you've got to have the foundation behind behind that knowledge base to be able to apply questions that NCLEX is going to ask you about these top contenders. And the reasons that they're top contenders, um, and we're talking about myocardial infarction, hypertension, cardiovascular disease or coronary heart disease, a heart failure and arrhythmias is because they are probably the uh, five most significant disorders that impact America um, at high, at significant rates. So you, you know, cardiovascular disease is the single most important um, indicator of mortality and morbidity than any other disease in our country. And so the significance that these diseases have with our population is huge, it's huge. And so that's why you see a lot, you'll see a lot of questions about these kinds of disorders, giving you signs and symptoms and wanting you to have priority assessments and priority interventions 
for these types of disorders. And so that's kind of why I kind of put them down and I could spend, you know, a whole podcast on one of these. But I, I just kind of wanted to put those out there because if you want to prioritize the disorders that you would need to review and be familiar with, and this is more on the side of patient care, what are the priority assessments and what are the, what are the priority interventions that I'm going to be needing to look for? If I, if I could kind of narrow things down, these would be the ones that I would focus on. Yep. And that makes sense. Um, and like you said, we can definitely spend an entire episode on each one of these and perhaps that's something we should consider for the future. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I definitely want to know from those listening, if this is a topic you'd love to dive a little bit deeper into and especially to have Janice come back on the show to let us know, you know, definitely send us a tweet, uh, Kaplan NCLEX, and uh, let us know if we can, if you, if you want to see more of this content or other types of uh, systems for us to review at a high level or an in-depth level. But um, Janice, those are most of my questions. I think that's a good point to wrap up. Uh, we'll call it a tentative part one of the cardiovascular system. But as always, I want to thank you for breaking down these concepts and giving us a great high-level overview of this topic. And it is important for the NCLEX, but it's, like I said, important for nursing school and for uh, in nursing practice as well. So uh, thanks as always. And thanks again for, uh, for hopping on and talking with us. Thanks for having me, Matt. My pleasure. And for those of you who are listening at home, of course, if you are ready to get your prep for the NCLEX, be sure to check us out. You can visit kaplanursing.com or you can just click on the link in our uh, podcast description, which will take you right over there to learn more about all the resources we have available for you to help you prep both free resources and paid resources uh, to get you started on your NCLEX prep journey. Um, be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. We're at Kaplan NCLEX Prep. We're on Twitter at Kaplan NCLEX. Um, we have some great content on YouTube as well, which you can find at uh, Kaplan NCLEX Prep on YouTube uh, to get some more content review for the NCLEX and for nursing school. Um, as always, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it out with any other nursing students who might be interested in listening to our show. And as always, I want to thank you so much for listening to our podcast, and we look forward to seeing you again in a future PrepCast.